Welcome to the Fit Dad Club podcast. My name is Travis Jones and you are episode nine into listening to us, riff chat, all the rest about losing fat, feeling great and getting into the best shape of your life. Today we are talking about all about supercharging your confidence, having unstoppable confidence, you know, understanding that you will follow through because you believe in yourself. And today I'm talking with Jason Barrett. Jason, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Uh, i got a sleepy baby, or not so sleepy baby, which means I've, uh, I'm a sleepy dad, but hey, I'm not letting the, uh, the lack of sleep affect my food choices or my training decisions or anything like that because um, I have confidence that I'll get there. <laughs> exactly, mate. I have exactly. confidence that she'll sleep through again eventually. Uh, eventually, mate. Eventually, a couple of years. Yeah, of years. <laughs> five years. <later. laughs> uh, so when we look at this, guys, today is all about confidence. I think when we look, when I talk to so many of our dads have been through our program, they lose the 10, 20, 30 kilos, you know, some 40 or 50. But when we look at this, they lose this weight. And through the course of the journey with us, they get better jobs, they increase their income, they feel amazing about themselves on a daily basis, or like they take bigger risks, they do more things, and it all comes down to confidence. And so many of them have said to me over the time, it's like, I never would have gone for that promotion, or I never would have pushed forward on knowing that I was worth more. And being worth more is a level of confidence in yourself. I never would have thought I could achieve this task and they did it and I didn't believe in myself, but you believed in me. And then I did it and I believed in myself even further because there was this confidence transfer. And I think when we look at this, when we set ourselves out to achieve a goal and then we start to feel better about ourselves on a daily basis, we have this abundance of energy. When we look in the mirror, we like smile because we're like, hey, look at you, sexy mofo. <laughs> you might not say that, but you know, if you, if a lot of our guys are. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have this like just aura of confidence about you, life is that little bit sweeter. Things come that little bit easier. The jobs, the, you know, a lot of our guys get laid more by their partner. Um, so it's like, you know, everything just happens that little bit sweeter because you feel better about yourself. And when you feel better about yourself, you feel more confident and you have this different um, energy about you that people are attracted to. Um, So that's what we want to delve into today. Hmm. We want to give everyone this unstoppable confidence and we want to give everyone this ability to feel like they are the best version of them. And I think that's the biggest thing that we do with the fit dads is not just about losing weight. It's about helping them unlock their potential and helping them unlock the best version of them. They just haven't seen for a little while Mm. and we know it's in there. And we know that once they start achieving, it unlocks this version of them. They might not have seen for the last decade or two decades, or maybe it was a couple of years and they just feel great again. And Mm. they start taking those risks and being that person that walks that little bit taller. So, First off today, mate, I wanted to talk about not the confidence in just, uh, you know, achieving the transformation. I wanted to talk about overall confidence, Mm. confidence in life. I think that's the first thing I want to talk about. And then we'll talk about having unstoppable confidence in achieving the body transformation. And then we'll give you a bit of a fast track, how to hack fast track confidence um, towards the end of uh, the episode today. So when we're looking at overall confidence, 
um, in life, okay, just being a confident human being, um, what are your tips, Jace? What would you say for people? Well, I'd say the first thing to look at is why are most people not confident? Why, like, as a general rule, we can say that a lot of people have these niggling little self doubts and these little sort of voices that are telling them, oh, you're not good enough, this and that. And the three kind of areas that I find that that is important to work on yourself and get right, right, is your the these are external things that you tend to change your value based on these things. And that's your work, your body, and your love life. They tend to be the three things, especially for men, um, especially for dads, right? Your ability to provide from a work perspective is huge. And a lot of guys equate how much they earn with their, like who they are, their, their worth as a man, right? And if they're not earning enough or they're not providing enough or whatever, then, or other people say that they're not providing enough, even if they are, then they'll take that personally. And that'll be a blow to the confidence, right? Like my, um, my wife, like when I'm met her i was earning like maybe 50 60 grand a year and um and she's on like 95 to 100 and then she she's because she works in government and then she just kept getting promotions and she, she at the moment i think she's on like 112 right so there's a there's a little bit of disparity there now if i wasn't already secure and confident in myself that disparity would have been a blow to my confidence i wouldn't have been able to show up in other areas of life as as confidently as I did because I was letting that affect me. So number one is looking at what is your relationship with money and the way that that relationship with money works. Number two is what is your relationship, you know, with relationships, with people, with with um, the opposite sex, right? Do you place value in having a romantic relationship with someone? And if you don't, you see that as a failing in yourself or if, you know, if you can't attract someone or you hadn't gotten laid in a while or whatever it might be, if you're single, do you then use that as a bit of a self uh, like a li- limiting negative belief about yourself. And then does that affect your confidence, right? All these external factors. And then finally, it's looking at your physical body, right? Which we'll go into a little bit later. But your if your physical body isn't where you want it to be, um, a lot of people, rather than just seeing that as a, re- as a you know reflection of some external circumstances, they're like, oh, I am fat, I am this. And then as a result, that's who I am. I'm not good enough. I'm going to just, you know, uh, wear baggy oversized shirts, not take my shirt off at the beach. I'm going to look down. I'm just going to like, you know, kind of close off from myself. So if you're, when we're looking at confidence, those three areas, I think are big external influences that people, they externalize their confidence in those three areas. So um, if you're, you're gatekeeping your confidence and your willingness to show up and say, Hey, I'm allowed to be proud of myself and confident in who I am behind one of those three things, or potentially even all three of those things, then those are relationships you need to address. You need to be worthy enough without a partner, right? Or, or, you know, with whoever you're with, you need to be worthy enough without making hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever the, the benchmark, the bench post, bench post, benchmark, Goal co- goalpost, right? There's 60 <laughs> goal words there in right? <laughs> Brisbane. Um, whatever the goalposts are for you in that one, you know, you've got to be okay with earning less than that and confident enough in yourself because then that's how the only way you get to that point. And then same thing with your body. You've got to own who you are and the decisions that you've made that have gotten you to where you are and then say, yeah, and then I'm working on changing this rather than it being, I am this way, so therefore I'm not good enough. And then that kind of becomes a bit of a doom loop and a self-fulfilling prophecy and, and spiral of, of negativity and self-doubt which is kind of that antithesis of confidence. So to to me, the first the first step as with anything is awareness and making sure that we're not externalizing any of our, I guess, internal measures of confidence and saying, I have to have this thing or this item or um, achieve this in order for me to allow myself to feel confident because it's just not the case. 
Yeah, mate, I completely agree. I think it's the same thing, confidence slash happiness, right? They've done lots of studies mm. around this. I'll be happy when. And, mm. you know, happiness, again, is like a, a this like fleeting moment. So also, I'll be happy when I make 100K. You make 100K and you're like, well, am I happy now? Like, is this happiness? Well, it's like, I'll be confident. I was sad. <laughs> I was sad. It's, <laughs> it's like, what happens at that magic marker? It's like, no, it's, it comes back to what you're saying. It's like, it's confidence comes through the ability of action and in the journey. If you go, I just want to skip to confidence now. It's like, no, you skip the part that gives you confidence, okay? <laughs> because that whole process of falling on your face and then getting back up, then following through, then learning again and acquiring skills and moving, like that's where confidence is built. Confidence is built through grit. Confidence is built through patience. Confidence is built through perseverance. Confidence built through skill acquisition, right? The first time you ever walked up to a girl, maybe you never even walked up to a girl, like you were so nervous, right? But it's about repetition, right? Like first time it's like, oh, well, what's she going to do? This fear, because we have this massive fear of rejection. You know, is she going to, you know, kiss me back? Am I going to get slapped? Am I going to get told to walk away? It's like, at the end of the day, it's just a numbers game, right? You know, when you, and you know, live, this is not a numbers game, my wife. This is, I found the, this is the numbers game to finding the right person. Okay. I'll yeah. reframe that. This is a numbers mm -hmm. game to finding the right person. And it's like, you're going to yeah, sift yeah. through all the dirt to find the gold nugget. A hundred percent. You're going to sift through it's a like, lot of dirt. But, but like, once you've walked up to enough girls, you know that it is a numbers game to get the kiss, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You know, if you walk up to 10, you know, your old mate over here might get six kisses out of 10. You might get two kisses out of 10, no matter who you are, right? But you have to get through the 10 to get the two, or you have to get through mm -hmm. 10 to get to six. But if you only ever, if you stopped without ever trying to approach one girl, well, you're going to have low confidence. If you approach mm -hmm. two, then you approach three. And then the more times you go through the iterations, you fine tune your messaging. You fine-tune your clothing. You fine-tune the way that you come in that first conversation because you need to go through the iterations to get the confidence because that's where it's born. That's, again, it's skill acquisition. So, one, we have to understand that in the journey, inside action is where confidence is built. It's not built in inaction. That's where self-doubt is built and also um, self-doubt leads to um, despair. Um, so if we sit with uh, self-doubt long enough, then we're going to get despair. It's like, I can never find the person. I can never lose the weight. Um, we start to ca catastrophize. So when we're looking at this, it's like, you have to believe in yourself and you normally believe in yourself by doing the thing a lot of times, you know, and then when you've done it enough times, you don't even have to have confidence. You just walk up to the girl, right? It's like, you don't, when you look at your wife right now and you go to kiss her, you don't think, is she going to kiss? You might think this, but hopefully you don't go, is she going to kiss me back? Because you are so confident that she is going to kiss you back because she is your wife, right? You have this high level of confidence because now you have entered into an engagement or an agreement where you are together. Contract okay, a contract with the government that she must kiss me back. So <laughs> but when we look at this, it's like, you know, if we had that same level of confidence at the start, then you probably would get more kisses because people are attracted to confident people. So one, it's like you have to believe in yourself and believe in, belief in yourself comes to repetition. Um, and you have to do the first rep to get to the 10th rep, essentially. Two, you should get healthy. Okay. We talked about this at the start because when we look at this, like, again, there's other studies. It's like people who are fit, uh, get more pay rises. They earn more money. 
And, you know, you might be thinking, oh, no, this is not the thing. It's not politically correct right now. Self-love. Yeah, I believe in the self-love. Everyone should love themselves. But people who are, uh, are more confident, who are more healthy, and people who are more confident get more pay rises because they're normally more disagreeable. And when they're more disagreeable, they're willing to put themselves and they take more risks. And that's where it comes from. So getting healthy allows you to end up being more confident and which will then in turn make you take more risks, which will give you more pay rises and make more money. It's just how it is. And it makes you feel like you are indispensable. If you have low confidence, well, you will feel dispensable, which you, you won't take the risks. So get healthy, you feel strong, you feel motivated, you have an abundance of energy. So more people who have more energy, then they also do get that pay rise because they're just like, they're full of beans all the time. They go, go, go. They're not, you know, sleeping at their desk. So when we look at this, you have to get healthy. You have to put in the rat with the reps and you have to also understand life is short. Okay. So many people out there living life as in if there's, if they have two of them. It's like, oh, once I get through this one, I'll just get on to my next life. It's like, nah, dude, life is short. You're not even promised tomorrow, okay? Mm. So I was like, memento mori, right? Like, remember, you must die. Like, you you will go, you are going to die. And we aren't even promised tomorrow. So why aren't you going to kiss the girl right now? Why aren't you going to take the risk right now? You have one life. You're at the plate right now, and you were swinging for the fences. So you better swing well. And I want you just to stop the inaction. Like we, again, we catastrophize things. And this is what so many people do. You know, what happens if I, I ask for the job promotion and they say, no, well, they said no. Like that, that's literally what happened. They said, no, it's okay. You're just going to go back to your job. Oh, what happens if they fight? Well, they can't fight for asking for a promotion. They just can't. In Fair Work Australia, they can't do that. Um, yeah. so, they're going to open up the door. They're going to go out to the office yeah. and they're going to be like, look at this piece of shit. He asked for a promotion. How dare you? <laughs> Everyone point and laugh. Like, yeah, like exactly. Those dreams, just, and then you forgot to put your pants on in the morning. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come on. And what happens if right now, if you are single, right, and you go up and kiss the girl, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? She says no. Like literally, the worst thing that's going to happen is she says no. You start the business and it doesn't become everything you thought it was going to be. What's going to, what's the worst? You lost a year of your life, right? But then you never look back going, I coulda, I shoulda, maybe I woulda, I don't know. You're going to live without the regret. So I think the biggest thing is I always look at it, it's like, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? And now I go, what's the best thing that could happen? So I always like, why not? well, the best thing that happened, I go up and talk to that girl and that could be the love of my life. And that could completely change the rest of my life just because I grabbed my balls. I, I said, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to go kiss that girl. And that's what I did with Liv, right? Like she moved across the world. I jumped on a plane. I chased her across the world and I dragged her back by her hands. <laughs> like you come back to Australia. And we <laughs> dragged her back to Australia. And we had two kids. We got married and it was the best thing I could have ever done, right? But I had the confidence to jump on a plane and chase her across the world to the UK to bring her back. And I think, yeah. And the worst thing in the cabin, she would have said, no, she's like, no, you know, you know what, dude, like I'm staying in the UK. It's not, okay, cool. I had a trip to Europe. That's the worst thing that could have happened. I spent some money and I was in Europe, right? Like, I, I think we have to look at the upside instead of always outweighing the upside with this catastrophe downside. It's like, oh my gosh. So mm -hmm. I think, and then the thing is like, like just relaying on top of that, it's like people who ask the questions, get the answers. Like so many of us, uh, sitting there silent in the grandstands, watching other people live their life. And we're never asking the questions for ourselves. 
So we're never getting the answers or we're never taking the risk. So we never get the reward. So I think you have to be in the game to win the game. So I want you to stop sitting on the sidelines so you can actually get in the game to go through the iterations to fall on your face, to get back up, to then win, which then again builds confidence. So I think wrapping up overall confidence, that's essentially is how I believe confidence is built. Do you have anything you want to sort of expand on that, mate? Well, I mean, obviously we work with dads, right? That's the primary group of people that we yeah. work with. If you listen to this, you're probably a dad or you're the wife of a dad and you're trying to subtly pass on the messages, right? Uh, it's a good it's a good way to do it, just to slip the subtle messages in. But when, and because we were looking at this with, um, just before we were doing a um, like a solids training, a solid start training, just because um, our little girl's five months old today. So in about a month's time, she's going to start um, eating solids, right? And we want to know, all right, well, how do I prepare that? All right, I've got to cut back on all the salts and the cayenne pepper that I put in food now because, you know, she's not going to handle it very well. So, but it got me thinking about how kids try things over and over again. They say you've got to give a child like 15 to 20 opportunities with a food um, to, before you can say maybe they don't like it or they do because they might just refuse it a bunch of times. So they need to see something and try something over and over and over and over again before they like it. And it's the same thing when they're trying to crawl, when they're trying to roll over, when they're trying to walk. They've got to do the same thing over and over and over again. You don't see a baby fall on their ass, right, after they try to stand up and then just go, fuck, I'm not good at this. Uh, I better give up. I'm, I'm just never going to give it. A, I'm just never going to try again. No, even you as the parent, you're not like, oh shit, looks like we've got a we've got a butt bound baby. We're going to have to get her. She's going to have to go see a specialist because she clearly can't do this. Uh, no, she's just fucking learning, right? But we Let's at some point, up. exactly, we at some point we lose that mentality of just keep going until you get good at it, right? And this is what we call the confidence competence loop. In order for us to feel confident, we often have to feel like we're good at something. And in order for us to be good at something, we often have to start with a level of confidence. Like the more confidently you show up, the better you will tend to be at something, right? No matter what it is, if there's like a, a task, whether it's like a puzzle or a sporting activity or a physical challenge, if you go in with a level of confidence, like a level of optimism almost, you will be more likely to outperform the people that have a more quote unquote realistic, but more pessimistic view of themselves or a realistic view of their own performance and those people time and time again will never tend to improve the optimistic people will tend to improve because they always highly rate their abilities like you know what that wasn't the best but i reckon i can do better i reckon I'll, I'll go again and i'll do even better that level of confidence will improve your performance across anything that you do the problem is we expect ourselves it's all about expectations we expect ourselves to be really really good at something before we've even given it a go we expect ourselves to know shit before we've even started i know my wife definitely struggled with this when we had the kid it was like I expect I should already know all this stuff or I need to be an expert on all this stuff before it even comes up. I'm like, well, I mean, for the first couple of weeks, all she does is shit, sleep and eat. So we'll just focus on that for now and then we'll learn the other stuff as we need to. But too many people, when they're starting something new, right, they're getting into, um, you know, they're getting to a program or they're, they're even, we have an app that we use, right, which has all of the coaching tools available, everything all in one place. Um, it's, it's new for some people to use an app to track their food or to track their weights or whatever. And just because of the fact that it's new, some people struggle with it and they're like, oh, fuck, this is all too much. And I'm, not, I'm just really not good at it. And I'm really sorry. I can't figure out how to use that. I was like, mate, you've been using a piece of, this piece of technology for like a week, right? I don't expect you to know everything. I expect you to ask questions if you're confused or if you don't know what the answer is. But so many people, they think, oh, if I don't already know what the answer is or I can't figure it out, oh, I'm not good enough. I must be stupid. Everyone else probably has this figured out. Fuck. And then they just go MIA and they ghost you, right? And this happens with a lot of people. Oh, I don't know how to do a, a front foot eleva elevated split squat. I don't know what that means. Uh, fuck, I'm just not going to do it. Oh, whatever, right? 
they get so caught up with having to already know the answer, they're not willing to learn. They're not willing to be a student again and try and fail and learn. And this is the whole mentality of either you win or you grow, right? And that's something that a lot of people have lost is the idea of being willing to try and fail and get better and build competence through more than just passive research, right? I've got to read as much as I can about it. It's like, all right, well, that's all well and good, but that's not going to prepare you for the real world. I used to be a surveyor back in the day, land surveyor, guys looking through the little um, speed camera looking things, right? Um, tell you where to build your house, basically. Tell you if your fence is in the right place. And I never went to university for it. Um, I tried. It was really maths heavy degree, not my thing. Um, I mean, I was good at maths, but I was like, fuck, this is too much. So I just worked as like a assistant and then a technician for like four or five years. There were guys who came out of uni who had never done the actual practical work, who I was teaching how to do the practical work because I'd been doing the practical work for like five years. But they came in with all this extra theoretical knowledge and the maths and this and that and blah, 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 blah. I was like, I need to teach you how to fucking bang in a peg because you don't know how to bang a peg in straight. Like the there's an element of gaining as much practical knowledge and as much um, like academic knowledge as you can and, and reading up on things and, and studying. And then there's putting it into action and testing it in the real world and actually doing, right? We've talked about taking action. And um, the biggest thing I can recommend for overall confidence is to take action on the stuff that you already know, be willing to quote unquote fail, be willing to try again, be willing to get back up, right? It's not about how many times you get knocked down, it's about how many times you get back up, but be willing to put yourself out there and give things a go and realize that just because something that you did didn't work doesn't mean that you don't work and you are a failure. That's Those yeah. two aren't equal. Like, oh, I failed, even, even if we fucking define it as failed. I failed, therefore I am a failure. No, one is an action or a result and one is your identity. You can't identify as a failure because you failed one time. It's like, I ate a pizza. It doesn't mean I am a pizza, right? It's, it's the same fucking level of, of, uh, of abstraction for me, but so many people will embody that, oh, I am a failure because I failed. And that's just not the case. So distance yourself from you. You are not your actions. That's basically mm. what I'm trying to sum up. You are not your actions. No, I, mate, I, I completely agree. I think it's so much in uh, what you're saying as far as level of self-worth and income, as you said earlier, it's like your income can go up and down. That doesn't mean your confidence goes up and down. Your weight mm. can go up and down. It also doesn't mean your, your, your confidence doesn't go up and down. Your, you know, your relationships can come and go. That doesn't also mean your confidence goes up or down relationships are one part your income is one part and also um your health is one part but we don't you know people generally try to embark on losing weight um, because they want to feel better about themselves but they can better feel better about themselves without losing the weight i always say that you know you want to lose weight because you want to be the best version of you and the best version of you isn't holding on to the extra kilos and that's the actual reason a byproduct for a lot of people because they have a bit of self, their self-worth wrapped into their, their health is they feel more confident. The two mm. aren't interlinked, but society links them, okay? Mm. I think it's just very clear for us to understand that. So because it's so linked with society, we generally take on the fact that my confidence will go up as I lose weight because I feel better about myself when it doesn't have to be like that. But hey, that's another story. Let's just understand that you need to embark on the journey either way because that's when all confidence is built. So the first the, the first step of a thousand steps, you know, start taking the second, start taking the third, and just keep going the, those thousand steps. If we're looking at moving on now from 
you know, the overall confidence in life to having more really like unstoppable confidence in a body transformation um, because, you know, so many people start and then they stop, okay? They never actually get to the promised land. You know, like I think this is the, the key thing. It's like so many people never get to their transformation thereafter because the only reason you're ever going to stop is because you lost confidence in what you were doing, <laughs> That's mm. it. At the end of the day, you just lost confidence because if you had confidence, yeah, what I'm doing is going to get me there. Then you would just keep doing it. Okay. You, but if you lose confidence in it, um, or if you can't follow through because it's too hard, therefore you've lost confidence in yourself to do it. Then, mm. okay, cool. Then we need to ha- go one step. One is we need to have clear goals and expectations. Because if you have clear goals and expectations, you're not going to lose confidence. So it's like, what do I want to lose? I want to lose 15 kilos. Okay, I want to lose 15 kilos. What's the time frame I can do that in? Well, how much do you weigh? Uh, you weigh 100 kilos. I want to get down to 85. That's when I used to be at my fighting weight where I felt really good and I was lean and all the rest of it. Okay, well, let's just say it's going to take you 20 weeks. You want to lose somewhere between 1% to 1.5% of total body weight on a weekly basis. I think confidence comes with understanding realistic expectations. Okay. Mm. Because if you want, it's like if you're gonna say, "Oh, I'm gonna do the slim right fast man shake keto diet. <laughs> I'm gonna lose 15 kilos in six weeks," yeah. and you don't do it, then all of a sudden, two weeks in or three weeks in, you have this rule self doubt comes about. You, I can't follow through, or you start something like that and it's too unrealistic to actually follow through with, and self doubt increases and you fall off the wagon. So we need to have set clear goals and clear expectations on what's achievable. So going back into that goal setting um, podcast that we did first up, if anyone wants to go back to like episode one or episode two, um, listen to both of those. And like, I need to have clear expectations on something that's realistic and achievable that for me and what I can achieve. Okay, bang, we've Mm. set clear goals. We understand I should be losing between one to 1.5% of total body weight per week. It's like, okay, I should be losing about 750 grams to a kilo each week. Okay, bang. So now I've, had, I've decreased the delay cycle to every seven days. Okay, I've set that. Now, step two is I want to increase my education. Okay, well, if you, again, confidence, competence, as you said um, before, Jace, I think if we're looking at doing this, we need to increase our nutrition IQ and our training IQ, okay? Because so many of us embark on this journey. It's like, give me a diet. Give me a meal plan. Give me something. I want to follow keto. Um, mm. We want to just be told what to do. But if I tell you what to do, and hey, I can tell you exactly what to do for sure. But I will be giving anyone and everyone that I coached a massive disservice if I didn't educate them whilst on the journey. Because that what happens is when they, you know, embark on a roadblock or obstacle three years, five years from now, when I'm not with them, they don't know how to overcome it themselves. Okay. So I want to increase your nutrition IQ whilst we are on the journey together. So you understand more about calories, understand more about proteins and fats and carbs, understand what a calorie deficit is and where your calorie maintenance is. I want you to understand all these little nuances. So, you know, if you ever need to lose weight again, or if you're in an obstacle with your weight or nutrition again, you have a high enough nutrition IQ that you can smell out bullshit from a mile away. Because once you start to increase your nutrition IQ, that book is a load of shit. Uh, that podcast, I'm not going to listen to. That person, I'm not going to go to that seminar because you understand that the principle of weight loss, you understand the principles behind nutrition, you understand the principles behind training because the fundamentals of nutrition haven't changed. 
Like they, mm. they just haven't. You know, there is equation for energy in versus energy out, protein, fats and carbs. The macro distribution has not changed as far as like, you know, there is four calories in every gram of protein. Like this hasn't changed. The fundamentals are the same. And if you can learn the fundamentals, that will give you this foundation of knowledge that you need. There's going to be nuances that change. I'm sure there's going to be diets that come out like, and you might go, hey, that's something I might try because something might come out that's new that actually has some differing effect. But the foundation, the fundamentals will always fit into that. And if you know those fundamentals, then you are, you know, there's one thing you're going to do for the rest of your life, which is going to eat. Okay. You're going to eat. So I think you should have a foundation and fundamental knowledge on having a high enough nutrition IQ to understand what is right and what is wrong. So you can, if you wanted to design a bit of a meal plan yourself. So that is step one. And also to do that then before we even start, it's like, increasing our education, you have to rate yourself. If I rate myself one to 10 right now on where I'm at with my nutrition, okay, with my education, where would that be? Where would I be? Would I be a two out of 10? Okay, well, do you know what a calorie deficit is? No. Do you know how many calories it takes you to lose a kilo of fat? No. Do you know what, um, you know, 500 calorie lunch would look like? No. I say, like, okay, well, if you know those things, maybe you're like a seven out of 10, maybe a six or a seven or eight or out of 10, but you need to have go, okay, well, if I'm a three, what will it take me to get to a seven? I will know this bit of knowledge. Okay, fantastic. I'm at a seven. Cool. As long as I'm at a seven, that means a good, great foundation. But if you rate yourself where, you, where your knowledge is with nutrition and where your knowledge is with training and where your knowledge is maybe with a bit of sleep or stress management, then you can understand where the gap is in your fundamental knowledge. And you can then look at where can I dedicate some of my time? Because if I bridge this gap, Okay, it's going to give you enough confidence on the topic that you know what you're doing is right. And when we know what we're doing is right, we can we tend to be able to follow through because if we don't know what we're doing is right, we have this low expectation and low ability to to actually achieve a result. That's when we we fuck around and we don't follow through. So I think Hmm. increasing our education is the next thing. And then, you know, the next thing I want to talk about is number three, which is learning from feedback, reflection, having a bit of a win or learn mindset and like making it a game and not shame. And Jace, you want to cover that for me for step three? Yeah, it's all about, as we've talked about expectations, like a heap and and there's such a big part, right? There's for me, two big reasons why people tend to fail is or tend to um, end up sort of feeling down on themselves is either unexpressed boundaries or unmet expectations, right? And a lot of times it's because I haven't voiced these things. And I've gotten some clients frustrated before where they're like, oh, I've, I've just, uh, you know, I'm just not not where I want to be. I was like, well, where did you expect to be? Like, well, I expected to be here. I was like, well, you never told me that. And if you told me that, I would have told you that's a very unrealistic expectations. Like I want to be shredded, but I don't want to track my weight and I don't want to track any of my food. I just want to train a couple of times a week. I'm like, that. Uh, probably not going to happen unless you're like unless you're willing to inc- implement some a bunch of other different things of, of methods of tracking. You know, we talked about this with plateaus last week, and mm. again, the more educated you are, the more you know. All right, this is a like we're trying to provide as much education as we can here. You know, oh, I'm in a plateau. All right, what did Trav and Jay say to do when I was in a plateau? All right, I know I can do this. That confidence that you get when you're on you know the right track is is vital. It's really important for you to have confidence in yourself. It's important for you to have confidence within your um, within your method that you're actually enacting because if you don't have that, that's what's going to, you know, that's what's going to blow up your results because you're going to be umming and ahhing about if you're doing the right thing in the first place and then that's going to if you're not if you're not all in on your method and what you're doing, then other little things and little bullshit artists are going to distract you and they're going to sell you their ebooks and their books and you're going to waste time going down that route. So 
always want to want to make that point but the the one that i wanted to touch on there is around the sort of the shame in the game right it's never about shame it's about learning how to play the game so and this comes with information this comes with tracking this comes with knowing the principles this comes down to education at the end of the day if you understand what the game is and you understand that we are just playing game what are the things that i could pull what are the levers what are the techniques what are the tricks in order for me to win the game what do i need to know what do i need to do in order to win how do i score points right we've talked about point scoring systems as a way of being motivated before as well the the biggest thing for us is having like little mental wins and mental tick boxes because that's what's going to give you confidence is tick am i doing this job am i like have i scored enough points for today have i done the work i need to do if not you have a clear metric for winning and losing if you don't have a clear metric for how you win a day or how you lose a day and the context of a day is also important like if you win enough days then you win the week you win enough weeks you win the year right it all it all compounds on itself so mentally how many things do i need to tick off in order for me to win this day right and then that is the game that you're playing, right? It's not about shaming. It's about not about, it's not about failure. Like this is a big thing for me. It's never about failure. It's about what failure means to you. I say this to a lot of, a lot of people and I want that to really sink in is too many people, they equate failure or, or, you know, more accurately, not achieving a result with I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy, right? Those are the big things that tend to go in. It's like, because I failed, it mean, they've got this unconscious link in their head. Because I failed, it means that I'm unworthy. And for a lot of people, that's going to come from some childhood stuff. And you know, there's between zero and seven, we've got this phase of life called the imprint period where we just absorb everything. And this is important for you to know as a parent as well. We're just absorbing everything that's going on because we don't know the world. We're just absorbing, we're, we're taking in everything. And if we fail at something or don't do as well at something that we could have, we're going to, and, and then our dad or our mom says, oh, yeah, sh- oh, shit, you know, oh, you failed. Oh, fuck, you know, whatever. Um, just do better next time or whatever. You know, you you missed the goal at a soccer game or something like that. And then you mean, oh, and then, you know, everyone, you know, booze or your dad just goes like, you, you know, you're one of those parents on the sidelines and he, he throws his drink down and he gets all pissed off. It's like, oh, fuck, I better not ever fail again. Otherwise, I'm not going to be good enough. And dad's going to be quiet on the car ride home and we're not going to get to go to McDonald's and celebrate or whatever, um, whatever your family does. But that mentality of failure equals something is going to be different for everybody, but you've got to know in your head, well, what does failure actually mean to me, right? What if failure was a learning opportunity? What if failure meant that I, yeah, that I learned, I got a little bit more insight in my own behavior. I learned what doesn't work, right? Um, Thomas Edison said, I didn't invent the light bulb until I found a thousand ways that first I invented a thousand ways that didn't work before I invented the light bulb, right? That's the mentality that we're taking to, um, to work, to business, to fitness, to relationships, to everything, right? You know, compliment your wife one way. Oh shit, she didn't like that. All right, I've, I've, I learned a way that didn't work. Let me find another way. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm a failure and I'll never compliment my wife again, right? You just got to find the ways that work and you got to find the ways that work for you. So understand what is your relationship with failure, especially when it comes to a physical transformation, because for you, a failure might be that rebound that ends up happening for a lot of people because they don't have the confidence in themselves to maintain the result because they don't believe that they can maintain the result because they never have, Right. And I always like to reflect back on, well, what about a time when you did, you know, were you, you know, were you this overweight when you were a little kid? Oh no, I was, I was pretty, you know, fit when I was 20. I'm like, all right, cool. So you have maintained this result before, right? It's just 
at a different time. What were some of those things that you were doing? What are some of the things that you can implement now, right? So you have been that person before. You've just lost, lost touch with that identity. And now you judge yourself and you have these expectations about being someone who never fails and who always you know, does the right thing no matter what. And that is a very fragile um, sort of self-image that is really easily shattered. And then when it does, you fall very, very low in terms of your confidence um, as soon as you get one thing wrong, because that's like the image, you've almost, you almost believe your own hype to a degree. Um, so understand your relationship with failure and what failure means to you and really detach from the idea of failure and not achieving the result in whatever time frame or even in general as being, or, or like missing a workout or not eating a healthier meal or making a you know average choice, whatever it might be, stop equating that with I fucked the whole thing and go into fuck it mode, right? Um, it just means I made a choice at a certain time. Yeah, was it the best choice? No, nope. what's the best thing I can do? Keep moving forward with the result because I know that this would just be a speed bump in the long run. So that's where we want to understand winning the game, getting the points right, never missing two days in a row. We've talked about that. So if you don't get the maximum amount of points in a day, you're looking at towards the next day, you're getting as many points as you can in that day. That mentality of you win or you learn, like it's as much as it is like a lame motivational speech from the nineties. It's like that's you win truth. some, you learn some it's yeah. that's, that's what it is. Dude, I completely agree. I think like most of, most people out there have watched a game of AFL, rugby league, something like that, who have listening to this or NFL, but most of our population at the moment is in Australia with our, our dads and our listeners. But if we look at this, you're sitting there to watch a game of your favorite football. Um, and Whatever football boring, means to you. Whatever football means to you. That's why I say football. Football. <laughs> <laughs> football. Um, so it's like, how boring would that game be if there was never a score? If there was never a score, there was never a winner, there was never a loser. How long would you watch that team play for and watch that game? Would you watch, if they're just kicking it back and forth, randomly kicking, not goals, because no goals, because no scoring. They're just randomly kicking it through some posts and then randomly kicking it down the other. It's like, you know, there's no winner at the end. Would you come back and watch the next week? Like you, you probably wouldn't because when there's no scoring and when there's no winning and then when there's no losing, the game gets really boring. Okay. Because we don't want to watch that. And we don't know, you know, what, what's going on. We don't have any context of, are they performing well or are they not performing well? Or if there's no score, how do we know? Um, so with this also, if we then go, well, a game is good because there's scoring. And also because there's constraints around the, that scoring that they have inside their um, way that they're playing their game. Every All the different footballs have different constraints, which makes them all great in their own individual manner. And that's why we like watching different means of football. So when we look at this, just like every dad has different constraints in his life with the way he has to live and score his points to win his game or lose his game. Now, if we're looking against... Uh, a game of football, if I get a goal scored against me, that doesn't mean I'm a failure. It just means that I've got a goal scored against me. And if I then score two goals against the other team, then I won that game. That's the same as your week. It doesn't mean that, you know, say I'm trying to win three points a day and I'll give that context of steps, calories tracked and training done. And it gives me the ability to score 21 points a week if I was just like, I had no points scored against me and I just knocked it out of the park. And hey, sometimes there is a game, say soccer football, it's like 3 0. No goals scored against, you crush it, one. Right. So when we're looking at this, you might have weeks like that, but there could be other weeks where the game beat you and you got six mm -hmm. points scored against you, but you still scored 15 points out of the 21. 
And maybe the, the life got in the way you missed your, your steps. Life got in the way you missed nutrition. Life got in the way you missed a training session. Maybe that happened a couple of times through it, but you still won the week. Okay, you still won five, five times three, right? So you still won that week. So even though you lost a couple of points, you still won the week because within your constraints, you were playing a game and you understand how many score, uh, points you need to score to win this week. And you did your best to win that week. And if you didn't score the 15 points, if that was your defining win or loss for the week, then you get to reflect and go, well, I know that there's winning and losing. I'm going to reflect on what I can do better to win or lose next week. And the same thing, if we're looking at the game of football, um, no matter what football it is, if there is winners and losers, then the losing team in the off season, they acquire new skills to then win next week, next year. That's literally how games are played. You need to have a score. The coach. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, hundred percent dude. It's like, you, when we're looking at like we, we let go of some players, we bring other players in because that increases the skill acquisition of the team, which allows us to win the next season. So when we're looking at this, this is exactly the same sort of thing. When we're looking at it, we have to score points, then we have to reflect, and then we have to move forward and understand where what let us down and what we need to improve so we can go forward and win the next season, which is the next dieting phase or whatever it is. So there's so much um, parallels between sport and actually achieving the goal set with this unstoppable confidence that you're going to get from losing weight. I just want you to understand that this is where we are. So the the game and never shame because all we are is playing a game and the game we're playing is trying to become the best version of us. So it's like you just, just keep playing that game every single day and you never fail because you only fail when you're dead. Okay. Like that's literally the only time that the game is over because you can't play the game if you're dead. Like the game is over now. Um, but until that moment, you can keep playing the game for the rest of your life. So the next thing I want to talk about is surrounding yourself with people who are positive and also doing what you want to do. And I think that is such a crucial thing, mate. Like if you're, again, it comes back to the sum of the five at the end of the day. If you're mm. around, if you're, your five best mates, they're all fit. They've got abs. They train every day. They eat healthy. Maybe they don't overconsume alcohol. Then if all of them are doing this to fit in as human beings, we just do it. That's just how it is. If all your mates just sit around and they drink piss and they make excuses around why they can't do the gym and they say eating healthy is for losers or whatever people say, I don't know. Um, then I don't know. I don't, you I don't, are, I don't surround myself with those people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What else on whatever they do, I don't know. Um, <laughs> then, then like that's what you'll do because you want to fit in. It's human nature that we want to fit in. And there's been so many studies around this that even in groups where they like people put their hand up for the wrong answer just to see what other people will do, other people knowing it's the wrong answer will put their hand up just to agree with people because they don't want to be left out. So it's like mm. we uh, we gravitate to what the norm is inside our circular group because we want to be a part of the group because that is a human need, which is connection. And we get connection by doing the similar stuff. So I think for this, it's like if your group is not, the reflection of what you want to be. You need to find yourself who is the reflection of what you want to be and surround yourself with those people doing those habits. And then you will, via osmosis, start doing those habits and start getting those results. Literally, that, that is just mm. how it is. Yeah, that's and that's like, that's the biggest thing is people 
uh, like your environment and the people around you are going to influence you way more than you expect that they do. Um, and that's one thing people struggle with. And I've had a couple of clients who have um, struggled because their partners or their friends haven't been very supportive of them. And then I've had people who have really excelled because they're like my workmates, uh, you know, on top of me and they're making sure that I'm not going to the, uh, to the, the kitchen cupboard and grabbing cookies because they know that I'm on this plan and they're encouraging me. So um, as best you can, if you can't find those people in person, find them online, find them virtually mm. either, um, you know, whether it's a community, whether it's a group, whatever it is, people that will encourage you, that will move you towards the goals that you want. And one of the, uh, I think one of the big ones as well is having people who have, who expect more from you than you expect of yourself, yeah. right? They'll, if you have people in your life that will set a higher standard for you than you set for yourself, then that will naturally start to push you to do more, to be more, to become more. To, and then that'll help you with your confidence as well, because you'd be like, shit, I didn't think I could do that. But if I've got a trusted mentor or a trusted advisor or a group of people that tell me, yeah, no, you can do this. Come on, let's fucking go. And then you do it and you're like, holy shit, I didn't realize I had that in me. That pushing of the boundary, right? We've talked about the flow state before, but that pushing of the boundary and going just beyond what you think you're capable of, where you're feeling stretched, that's going to give you an added sense of confidence as well. Confidence is all about expanding your comfort zone, feeling more comfortable doing more stuff than other people do. They're like, oh, how do you? How are you so confident? It's like, oh, this feels like every day for me, right? I could walk into a gym and just, you know, I'll take my shirt off and start lifting. I'll probably not take my shirt off this year. Hygiene and all that sort of stuff, but I'll start lifting in front of everyone. I don't care. No, like no one's looking at me. No one gives a shit. I'm just going to start doing what I want to do. Some people will get in their heads about this stuff. So, if you if you can surround yourself with people that will not only support you but will push you that will elevate your standard for yourself and then naturally your standard will start to rise to that level too. My, and I, I reflect briefly on this. It's like when we look at it, like having these goals and that common humanity and if you can't find people around you, it's finding people um, in a group online, right? So we look at our guys with um, the Fit Dad Club. So even the guys, I took three guys to a 50 6k spartan ultra race right and three of the guys they didn't have friends that would do it but they found three guys together with me to do it together and we they wouldn't have done it by themselves mm. but they did it together because they ran a group of people who lifted each other and even when they didn't want to keep going everyone supported each other to keep going and now we're doing the next 23k spartan in end of may um which is the beast and we've got another three guys doing it because they, they're like literally leveraging the confidence of the other guys who have already done it to then also get yeah. the confidence to do it as well. And then we'll probably have 12 guys to do it. And it's like it's constantly expanding because when something seems so obscure when you're by yourself, but with it, when you're inside a group of people who are just doing this sort of stuff, we we like, they're doing it. They're just like me, common humanity. If they can do it, then I can do it too. And then we start to, again, there's a transfer of belief when other people around us are doing these things. So again, like it doesn't have to be like, I live like in Southern Tasmania. Okay. There's not many people. There's no, there's like, like there is not many gyms. There's not many, nothing down here. So when we look at it, it's like no one else, like if you're living in a city, if you're living surrounded by like you have access to gyms, you have access to a lot of stuff, guys. So it's like, you know, I understand you can be in the most of obscure places and you have to leverage online communities sometimes to feel that absolute support that um, you can get online and you definitely can get it online, guys. So please um, be around positive people. You are the sum of the five, either positive or negative. So make sure we do that. I think the next thing is reframing or 
maybe it's, yeah, it is reframing negative self-talk. We have talked about some negative self-talk before, but also understanding the fit dad and the fat dad mindset. There is a mindset around it, which is uh, both have different conversations. So maybe talking about a little bit about reframing self-negative talk, Jace. Yeah, so the biggest thing when it comes to reframing is first of all awareness. You can't reframe anything that you can't catch, right? It's like you're uh, one of those people in the rivers going hand fishing, trying to catch catfish out of the uh, out of the river, right? If you if you can't be still and focus on it and find it and catch it, then you know it's just going to swim away, and it's just going it, to it, imagine it's swimming sort of up the stream of your mind and kind of embedding itself in your consciousness. That's the the risk that we run when we don't bring enough stillness and presence to our thoughts so first you've got to be aware of well what is the thought that i'm thinking and then you've got to be willing to view it and when we talk about reframing it's legitimately like taking a picture and moving it to a different spot and changing the frame around it you're changing the perspective that you're looking at that picture with and as a result it's got a different meaning so we're looking to shift the meaning of the thoughts that we're having and there's there's like technical ways of doing this but there's also very simple ways that you can do it as an individual which is identifying first of all hey hang on what what am i thinking and then you've got to run it through a bit of a framework is this are the words that i'm thinking right now is this this thing that i've just thought is that actually absolutely true Right? Or am I, as Trevor was saying, am I catastrophizing this a little bit? Am I exaggerating this a little bit? Am I using dramatic language? Am I being a drama queen about it? Because you know we can all definitely use. Oh fuck! This is the worst day. No, it was not the worst day. Yeah, uh, the, barista, the barista burnt your coffee. Oh no! Oh, my almond flat white doesn't taste as good as it was. They didn't use the right almond milk. Fuck! Right? What's the what's the real real challenge here? So. First of all, catch the the language and then ask yourself: Is this absolutely true? It's like, well, what's another way of looking at this? And this is something that I always encourage people to do is what is the frame or the lens that I can look at this with that would be the most empowering, the most impactful, the most positive way that I could view this situation. It doesn't have to be true, right? Someone could have cut you off in traffic, right? And then you get stirred up and uh, about it all day long, or, you know, someone sends you an email that seems like a little bit sassy, right? Or or a little bit um, dismissive. And then you start feeling down about yourself, right? All of these little negative thought patterns can then start to come up. You miss a workout for whatever reason. You don't train as hard as you could have. You choose a different meal. Then you're like, oh, I'm just a fat piece of shit. It's like, well, first of all, technically that's not true. You are not a piece of shit, right? You're not a literal lump of poo. So, you know, I, I like to be very literal because our minds are very literal. So looking at it from a different perspective, all right, did I ruin my entire diet or did I have one night where I ate a little bit more than I really needed to? So when you start to bring a sense of realism and groundedness to your thoughts, that is when you can start to reframe things and as a result, have different emotional experiences because of them. So rather than, as I was saying, oh, I've blown my diet, right? I've ruined it, right? No, you just had a bit of a a looser weekend than you would have liked. You had a bit of an untracked weekend, probably ate a little bit more than you needed to, um, but that's not going to be the end of the world. Okay, that sounds a lot less, a lot less, uh, you know, catastrophic then i've blown my diet and i've ruined it and i fucked it but again we like to catastrophize we like to make big deals out of things so if we pause we catch that thought and then we say hang on is that true is that really what's going on here and if until you get good at doing it yourself it is very good to have someone else help you do it this is why we have coaches this is why we have peer groups and be like oh, i feel like i've just ruined my whole diet well, what's happened it's like, oh, i hit my calories i was all good and then i had a um then i had a, a you know, a Peter's drumstick after dinner. I feel like I've just blown everything. 
also what is that like 250 300 calories maybe right that's okay. that's fuck all. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. that's nothing that's um when you equate that it's like it, that's not even going to be like 10 grams of fat gained if it even is ends up gaining any fat at all right it's probably just going to be a little bit of extra water retention and then it'll be gone the day after that right these these little things don't matter but until you can again number one educate yourself and your expectations understand, you know, the fact that 300 calories in an ice cream isn't going to ruin everything that you've done all week long. Um, you know, 15 ice creams might, but one is going to be fine. And then two, if you have the presence and the, the, I guess the gap and the gaps in your day to pause, to reflect, to say, hang on, is this actually really true? Am I, you know, am I trumping this up a little bit and, and, and making it bigger than it actually is? And then what's really going on here? What's a more positive or more truthful or more realistic way to look at this? Um, what is the way that's going to give me the best bang for buck? What is the perspective I can, um, you know, oh, this is going to, you know what this is? This is fuel for my workout tomorrow. I'm going to really use that and I'm going to enjoy crushing a leg session tomorrow because I've got this extra energy in me. That would be the most positive way that you could look at it. That would be the most beneficial way that you could look at it because it's already done, right? We're not going down the route of bulimia here. Don't stick your fingers down your throat and get rid of it. It's like, you've already done, the action is done. You're doing what you're doing. So what is the most positive way that you can look at this and use it moving forward? If you just have that framework in your mind, then you can run any of those negative thought patterns through it and say, hang on, what is, you know, what would, what would Jason or Trav tell me about this thought, right? That's another way that you can do it. What is, mm. or someone else that you trust in the industry? Well, what would that person tell me about this thought, you know? that would probably tell me it's bullshit. So yeah, I'm going to tell myself that's bullshit. BS, right? It's a belief system. That's all it is. 100%, mate. And I think you touched on such a, a key thing right then. So it's like, if I go over my nutrition and I, and some of my clients say this, you know, I stuffed my nutrition this week. I'm like, well, okay, well, let me know exactly how you stuff my nutrition. I had a Peter's ice cream. Okay, well, that Peter's ice cream is really only 200 calories. So if you're mm -hmm. eating 14,000 calories in a week, Okay, across the space of the week, and you went over 200 calories, it's not even 1% of your week. And you wouldn't even have gone to maintenance calories on that day. So we still hit six days in a negative. Um, so, you know, that's okay. Like, you can look at why did you eat it and what can we learn from it and make sure it doesn't happen again. But that, the, the, it's not the, the little things don't matter, it's mm -hmm. the meaning that we give to the little things that matter. Right. So I think if you then go, I stuffed my diet last night. So I had a Peter's ice cream and then I told myself that I can never follow a diet. Okay. Well, that matters hundred percent. And then the next day, because you told yourself that you just went like into an all you can eat buffet and you checked out, you checked in at 8am and checked out at 10pm. Yeah, for sure. That would matter. <laughs> right. Because you gave a little thing that didn't matter meaning. Okay. Mm -hmm. And because of that meaning you gave it, it changed the trajectory over the next couple of days and then a whole week was in a surplus instead of a deficit and then you feel like absolute crap, okay? So mm. watch the, the, the watch the words you use. And I think the other thing what I wanted to talk about is, it's funny, I find this actually quite hilarious. It's like we talk in such absolutes when we talk mm. in the negatives, okay? Yeah. So it's like you stuff up, you're like, I can never follow a diet. It's like I missed a training session because I pressed snooze, right? It's not the best thing. Yeah. It's like, I can never wake up. It's like, we, it's like such absolute, I can never, 
I yeah. am crap. I can't do this. It's like, imagine if we talked in absolutes when we did positive stuff. I decide, I am the healthiest man alive. I can, <laughs> I can always follow a diet. <laughs> literally, I can never fall off this diet. I can never sleep in. Imagine if we literally talked in absolutes on the opposite. The, the world would be so funny. <laughs> I am always jacked. <laughs> yeah, literally. I know. I am the rippedest man here possible. I was yeah. like, like, I find it so funny that we talk in absolutes on the negative, but we never talk in absolutes on the positive. But I think if we could switch that, I know, but the world would be so funny. Um, I I feel like that would be the best parody for me to watch, but I just wanted to throw that in because I think it's funny. Uh, That's a subtle hint for me to to film a a couple of reels being um, being that that guy as I, you know, just the comparison. It's like fuck. I am. I'm just an Adonis constantly. I can. I am. I can always train. It's just. Yeah, like, I can never not lift weights. Yeah, it's, it's, it's your mind is kind of trained to focus on the negative, right? Like when you think mm. of, we've evolved, our society has evolved very quickly in regards to evolution, and your brain is kind of looking for negative things. It's looking for danger always because you know we're we're not exact. We, we you know we've become predators now with technology, but back in the day, back in the day, you know. Ten thousands of years ago, we were small fish, and there was, you know, back in my day, there, yeah, saber tooth tigers and shit. But there was predators around that would get us. So we had to be constantly aware. We had to use our bigger brains and our greater heightened awareness to be like, hang on, I got to, I got to take in all this information. I got to look for the danger. And your brain does tend to focus on the negative. So yeah, you will one day. All right, I've I ate this Peter's ice cream. I can never follow a diet. What the fuck were you doing for the last six days, right? <laughs> and this is this is what I like to do. I like to bring awareness back to the evidence and there is evidence of you followed a diet for six days if you you most people if you could follow a diet for six days and then one peter's ice cream over on the seventh day you'll still bloody progress you're still going to be better than 99 percent of people out there but it's it's like it's always so concentrated on the one thing that went wrong as opposed to everything that went right right. and everything Mm. that was in your favor i can never get up early you fucking got up early the last three days in a row doesn't mean you have to get up at 5 a.m. every single day the rest of your life. It's like quitting smoking, right? Oh, I can never do it. Well, you did it for three months. Then you relapse. Cool. You quit again. You do it for six months, right? And then it just keeps ratcheting up and up and up and up because you get better at it and you go through it. That's why they don't say it's like, you know, they don't say you're going to quit. Oh, and that's the one time and that's it. No, they give you permission to fail, to try again, to do it again and to do better each time. Same thing. I used to have a, um, back when I worked with a lot of women, I had a, a client who was dealing with a bit more of eating disorder stuff. And she, um, she eventually went to the point it was like every she might have binged every week right and then after we started working together she had a binge every two weeks and then she would binge every four weeks and then after that it would be like six weeks to the got to the point where you know she just hadn't binged in a while but it was each time she would go longer and longer between those binges and that was that was the goal and that was success for us and it's the same thing when it comes to quote unquote falling off it's like we focus on all of the success as opposed to the one moment of failure um but that's a that's that's kind of a societal thing that you need to let go of as well 100 percent, mate um well the next point is once like the point six is like being an action taker right so if we, we we're trying to transform our life like motivation and also confidence comes with action you know it doesn't come sitting still watching reading a book reading a book doesn't give you confidence right it might give you a little bit of confidence at the start but if you keep reading the books and never take the action you don't get confidence so we have to understand, and again, we've talked about this before, so a bit of a smaller point, like you have to take action 
and you have to do the iterations in transforming your body to understand what is working best for you and where your pitfalls are and where your constraints lie so you know what actually works. And I think that's the biggest thing is like confidence grows with action. Confidence mm -hmm. happens on the journey. Um, point seven is embracing change. I know we did talk about this briefly, but I think if there is one thing that is certain in life, that change is inevitable and we have to be open to change. So it doesn't matter if you're on a journey, right? And I'm trying to lose weight and I'm being really successful. This I'm doing this 20 week transformation um, and 12 weeks in my job changes, right? <laughs> and now all of a sudden I was training in the morning and this has happened in the past. So I was training in the morning and now I, I'm, I'm working in the morning and I've had people say, I can't train anymore. Like I now work in the morning. I was like, well, yeah, you, you still have the same 24 hours. You can train at night or you can train earlier, right? Just because something changes, that doesn't mean you give up. Like change mm -hmm. is inevitable. So you have mm -hmm. to then embrace change and then go, well, there is currently an obstacle. What is the new opportunity to get over this obstacle to achieve the result? Because we just go from plan A to B and then from B to C and then through the other 26 letters in the alphabet, we just keep moving forward. The strategy is the same. We just, sorry, the, the goal is the same. We just keep executing on a different strategy until we achieve the goal. I think mm. understanding that, like, some people are very certainty driven, right? But, like, and then the change breaks their certainty, which then breaks their flow. But it's like, okay, cool. Like I'm just anti-fragile. Every time something changes, I get stronger. I learn new ways. There's new pathways. I like I have this power of agency, this ability that I can control the direction of my life and you can throw anything at me, but I have the power inside me to figure out the way to go forward no matter what. I think mm. that is a crucial thing because like, and we, we embrace change on that aspect. We also embrace change that maybe that you're following this again, half on keto today. I'm going to probably get the keto trolls after me. Um, so, <laughs> so maybe I was following this keto diet and I'm like, I can't follow it. And I don't want to live my way like this, but you've only ever done keto in the past to help you lose weight. You do keto for 21 days and you lose five kilos and it was three kilos of it was water weight. <laughs> and, but for you, you lost five kilos. Um, and every time you need to lose weight, like you lost it, but you're sick of yo-yoing. You're sick of doing this diet that you don't really enjoy and you don't want to live life like that, but you want to understand a diet that you can lose weight and keep it off for the rest of your life, but still have a beer, a burger, a pizza or whatever it was. And you understand nutrition better. So instead of just constantly hammering, instead of only ever having a hammer and seeing everything as a nail, you understand there's other tools. And you learn how to use a saw. You learn how to use a drill. You learn the other tools out there to achieve the result that you want. So that is the other way to embrace change. It's like, you know, the current strategy I'm undertaking maybe isn't the right strategy. So you have to have take the blinkers off and be open to change and doing something differently because, you know, we've had it with training programs in the past as well. Someone might have come into our program. It's like, nah, nah, I do my training like this. It's like, well, do you have the results that you want? No. Well, maybe we need to change what you were doing because like our, our success, our, our track record on transforming dad's lives with minimal viable effort. Okay. When I look at this, it's like the at least amount of work you need to do to get you strong as fuck, fit as hell, 
and dramatically transform your body. It's not about doing all the stuff. It's about doing the least amount of stuff. (laughs) And if you can get strong and fit and lose weight doing the least amount of stuff, everything else is a cherry on top. You want to do more stuff, you do more stuff. Good on you. But do this least viable effort, uh, the the minimal viable effort, and we can get you the result, then let's do that. And Mm -hmm. let's follow that. And okay, fantastic. So you have to be open to change, especially when you're asking for help because you're asking for help because what you're doing isn't currently working. Um, yeah. So next is, I don't want you to set yourself up for failure. Do you want to talk about not setting yourself up for failure and how that eradicates self-confidence, mate? Yeah, I think the big thing with not setting yourself up for failure is um, understanding that there are going to be plateaus, there are going to be setbacks, there are going to be changes. It's kind of a summary of everything we've talked about in that, mm. as well as expectations, right? So if you have clear and realistic expectations about what progress is going to be like and you don't overpromise on yourself and you don't overpromise i can go to the gym six days a week right because again you set yourself that target it's like we've talked about with the um you know with the self-doubt and the self-confidence if you every time you don't do what you say you're going to do and you say that out loud i'm going to go to the gym six days a week i'm going to track everything every single day and then as soon as you don't do that that's another notch in that self-doubt column so to, in order to set yourself up for success, you need to have clear expectations, right? You need to have an idea of what is each week going to look like. You've got to have a realistic set of actions that you're going to be taking. Right? You've got to have a plan, and you. But you've also got to be you've got to be uh, rigid in your goal, and you've got to be flexible in your approach and your plan. Because no, uh, the the old famous saying, no no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Right? Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Um, and yes. you know there are there are some weeks where you get punched in the face. Whether it's you know you get a promotion at work, oh now, but now you're doing 10, 12 hour days and things have to change. And you know your your gym shuts down for whatever reason. Right? There's like a lot of there was a lot of shit that people had to do, especially like during COVID. I know you had some experiences with, mm, with all that. Oh, I was yeah. fucked, right? Um, like for me, I, my gym, luckily for me, they let me um, rent out some equipment from them. So I ended up renting a, a bench, uh, like four sets of dumbbells and um, just wheeled that through the house and put it out the back and was doing some stuff on in my tiny little backyard um, because that's all I could do. So I wasn't beating myself up being like, well, but I, I wish, but this is the ideal and I need to be doing this. What's like, you don't have the capacity. So being realistic with your expectations about number one, what you can do, but also what your results will be and being willing to be flexible in your approach. And as Les Brown says, it's not over until I win. You continue to execute on it until you get the result. It's not about, I need to execute the result in this rigid time frame because um, there's a guy I follow um, more so in the finance stuff, but he's, he used to be in the fitness industry as well, Nick Peterson. And um, there are two things that will always happen, right? Number one is time. And number two is randomness. You want to have those things on your side, not off your side. So you want to have time and randomness on your side. The way you have time on your side is by not saying something has to be done in some arbitrary time frame. I need to lose 10 kilos in 10 weeks. Guess what? That By putting, exactly. Why? It's like, (laughs) oh, well, because yeah, uh, if I don't weigh in at this weight, then the Russian mob is going to kill my wife. All right, well, (laughs) fuck, that's just chop off an arm if you need to, right? (laughs) Exactly. Lose lose 10 kilos that way, right? Uh, But the, the, if you have time on your side by being willing to give your goal enough time, that's how you give time on your side. The other way that you fight this, this setting yourself up for failure is by putting randomness on your side. How do you put randomness on your side? You have your, as we talked about, you do the minimum viable activity, the minimum amount of effort that you can to get the result because the minimum amount of effort that you can put in will usually net you the most amount of free time because 
you know, it doesn't, it obviously takes more effort to go to the gym four days a week than it does to take, to go three days a week. So if you can have your minimum amount of effort and that's the minimum standard, then that allows for you to say, even if shit hits the fan on A, B and C and all this other stuff happens, I can still at least do this. And I'm going to be okay with not doing the whole thing because I know that life is random. There are going to be randomness. I'm going to take my wins where I get them. And when shit hits the fan, I'm just going to do my best. So understanding that time and randomness will always happen. So anticipating that, understanding that and being ready for that is the best way that you can set yourself up for success because it's just, it's just always going to happen. So no rigid timeframes and no expectations that life is going to go perfectly and according to plan. And, you know, I've got my day scheduled out and this meeting is only going to take this long and this meeting is going to be for this long. And then I'm going to have lunch ready for me. And, you know, my favorite sandwich shop isn't going to run out of the the chicken salad rolls that really, that are the only thing that hits my, and now I'm going to have to have a pork belly roll. And now I'm fucked because I had too much fats. Like, yeah, the, all of the, if you, if everything yeah. has to go perfectly in order for you to succeed, then you need to switch up your strategy because Dude, that's yeah. only going to lead to failure. Exactly, man. I think that was awesome. I think the last thing is fast tracking confidence. And I'm going to run through this super quick because we've been going for a while today. I think fast tracking confidence to achieving any goal is one, I'm going to talk about how I said it. And then I'm going to tell you how Jay said it, which is way more succinct, which is find a role model and a coach who has done what you want to do. So that's, that's step one. It's literally find someone who has your constraints, not someone who's just random. It's like some 20-year-old dude who has abs and arms. It's like find a dad who has got the constraints that you have and can still manage to get the results that you want because they have some education that you need, right? So find a role model who has done what you want to do. And okay, step one. Two, get them to tell you exactly what to do, okay? Exactly what to do and get them to check in on you weekly to make sure you're doing it. Okay, because that's going to achieve that accountability that we need. Three, immerse yourself in the goal and the topics around the goal. Like we want to listen to education seminars, listen to podcasts, read some books, spend like 20 hours. In the first 30 days, spend 20 hours immersing yourself in the topic. And that will give you that level of competence, which will give you confidence. Okay, and then we just need to follow through. And the way that Jace um, said it was much quicker and easier than this is pick a method, pick a mentor and block out the rest and follow through. And I think like, if we just think this, it's like pick a, I, mean, I would say pick a mentor, pick a method, block everything else out. Cause there's going to be a lot of people who's like, Oh, change this. Don't It's like, Nope. I'm picking a mentor. I'm, I'm using their method and I'm just going to block everything out. I'm going to follow through without hesitation uh, for the next 16 weeks, 20 weeks, I'm going to do what they said. I'm going to check in with them weekly. I'm going to make sure I follow through. That is going to fast track your confidence to achieve that goal. And you're immersing yourself in that culture for the next 20 weeks. It's like your life will dramatically change. And I think that is the way to get unstoppable confidence in life and transforming your body. Um, guys, if you love the podcast, rate us five stars, leave a comment. I want to see more comments. Um, and I want to see more rating on the Spotify or the Apple, iTunes, whatever they are. The podcast, go and rate and write and write your views, do whatever you need to do. Um, if you're stuck, if you're stuck and you have self-doubt and actually transforming your body, um, leverage our confidence, like literally leverage our confidence to get your result. Because 
I and Jace and the coaches here can help you dramatically transform your health, get you abs, get you losing weight, give you more energy, have more time because you have more energy for your kids, for your wife, for your work. We give you more time. Energy gives you time, right? And that's literally what we do. We give you more time in the day. We give you more time in your life, okay? Because you will literally live longer. So there is more time in your life. Go to fit-dad.club, book a strategy call where we go through exactly the strategy you need to get you from point A to point B. Everyone's constraints are different. So that means we get to have a chat with you, look at your constraints and give you a roadmap on what it looks like for you to achieve success. And if you want to work with us after that strategy call, we can you know work together. If you don't want to work with us and you take the strategy, hey, take the strategy and go for gold. Um, yeah. Put the blinkers but, on and get it done. Yeah, get it done. But that is what I need from you. I want you to either book a call with us and have a chat. And also, if you've already done that and you're working with us right now, you know how good it is um, and your life has dramatically changed. And that means you guys need to go write a review um, and you need to rate this podcast. <laughs> Jace, five, and that, five stars, right? Like, And that's all from me for today. Jace, you want to say anything? No, it's all good. Leave some comments. If you have any things that you've struggled with, if you're a dad and you're in this space that we haven't addressed yet, ask questions, jump in. We want to support. We want to answer the questions that are burning for you guys. And uh, until then, we'll see you next time. See you later, guys. Have a great, have a great week.